0: NGOs, and everything in between. We'll be taking a deep dive to learn how they are integrating purpose into their organizations to benefit both business and society for enduring impact. Join us. Welcome back. I'm Carol Cohn, and this is Purpose 360. Today, we're going to listen to part two of our conversation with Kathleen Dunlop, Global Brand Vice President at Unilever, about the Vaseline Healing Project. Our original interview was so rich with so many insights that we decided to cut it into two parts. If you haven't listened to part one, I highly suggest that you hit pause and give last week's episode a listen. Then, listen to this one. So let's jump right back into the conversation. Kathleen, I know you've said that danger is not doing anything
1: for a brand, that brands have to take a stand. You know, I see it more and more, brands taking a stand, trying to take a stand, some getting it right, some not getting it right. At the last Sustainable Brands Conference, there were several sessions, which was new this year, on the social media Marketing landscape that we're working in today, and what are the risks? You know, brand um, scandals—they they seem to be ever more present, and they can spiral out of control very quickly because the communication is in the hands of our consumers. We have no control over it, and so in that environment, it's very easy to say, or very tempting to say, as a brand owner, "Mm, "I'm not going to do anything risky because it could backfire." but if you don't take a stand then people are just ambivalent about you mm-hmm. and that's kind of worse even than than provoking a response because you can so easily be ignored so i think the the ultimate risk is not doing anything is really risky and so then you need to define what it is you're going to do and one of the panelists um And one of the sessions from Sustainable Brands, uh, someone from 72 and Sunny, creative director from 72 and Sunny, and I can't remember his name. He said, be careful where you're swimming. Don't swim out in the deep water where you can't touch the ground anymore. If you're a brand that is swimming out in the deep water, you've become disconnected from what you know and what you're about. And consumers won't understand why you're there, why you're talking about it. Um, but if you stay, it's like, you know, just slapping a pink ribbon on your package and saying, I'm about breast cancer. If you have nothing to do with breast cancer, consumers are going to say, eh, you know, what are you doing? And then if you try to do something really provocative in that space, they'll say, you don't have the license, you don't have the track record, you don't have the credibility to be there. What are you, why are you talking to me about breast cancer? But if you are a brand that has been doing something consistently in that space, or you have a founder story that has to do with breast cancer, well, then you have the license to go there and to do something that's really provocative and wake people up and and make a difference. So I think with Vaseline and the Healing Project, we started with what our product does and what we stand for as a brand. And then we defined our parameters very tightly around that. And we started doing it. We started it in 2015. We didn't start talking about it in till 2016, so smart. we were doing it for a full year so and had really smart real results before we went out and said what we're doing because we also didn't want com- someone coming back and saying, oh, "You went for six days to a refugee camp. you know that's all you've done." Mm-hmm. Well, no, we've been doing it for a year. After that experience of six days in multiple refugee camps in Jordan, we decided that this was something that needed always-on kind of presence on the ground. And so through direct relief, we hired a local dermatologist who rotates through the camps now. So we flexed our program to make sure that we could consistently serve the needs of people on the ground. Um, And we don't just do, you know, refugee camps in Jordan. We're in 52 countries with direct relief's help. So we we had a, a track record already on the ground before we started talking about it. We, and we've had some really provocative ideas pitched to us. And we've said, you know what? I don't think we're doing enough to be able to go out there and be really provocative and provoke other people to get involved yet because we don't have that track record. Maybe we do now. You know, we're, we're well over halfway towards our 5 million goal by 2020. And we're expanding through use of technologies. Like, we're, we're um, leveraging mobile technology to use telemedicine to as a diagnosis tool. Um, So we're expanding our presence. We've been training local healthcare professionals on the ground so that we can not just fly in with dermatologists, but leave that, leave that skill set behind. So we've been doing more and more and we're at the point where I think we can crow about it a little bit more. But we had to be really careful in the beginning to make sure that we were doing first before we started talking about it. Yeah. A best
0: practice that you employed was that you um, very early on created an advisory board and you included those two dermatologists and others. Um, You know, what is the role of an advisory board? Do they advise? Do they approve? What's the, you know, how many people should be on it? How diverse? I think that that would be, those insights would be really helpful for our listeners.
1: Yeah, we have, um, we have a very international advisory board. So we've got two American dermatologists. We have a Canadian dermatological nurse. Uh, we've got a British dermatologist who used to be the chair of the International Dermatology Foundation. So he comes from this world of, um, of sort of nonprofit initiatives and very international footprint. Um, and we have a South African dermatologist, very prominent South African female dermatologist, black African, who's an expert in black African skin. And we had a, an Indian dermatologist as well, who has since rotated off the board and we're looking for someone to replace him so that we've got, you know, good, a good spread of expertise from the developing and the developed world. They advise, they don't approve, but they advise on our programs. And it's really helpful to have their voices. First of all, they've got networks of people doing this kind of work on the ground, um, and, it, and so a long history of this kind of work, and they understand what works and what doesn't. Mm. They've helped us to try some things out and then look at the results and help us decide, do we continue to do this or do we, do we change tack? So one thing that we decided to change was we won't sponsor dermatological missions in the U.S. anymore because we can get so much more bang for our buck in places like India. And in the U.S., it's easier to refer someone to a, a local clinic. So we can find other ways to service the needs in the U.S. rather than sponsoring missions that, that can't see nearly as many people as we would be able to reach in a place like India. Um, another thing that they've helped us to do is define the, the telemedicine pilot that we're, that we're working on now. And they are, they are piloting being the second level, second opinion, or the second level of diagnosis through the mobile tool. So a picture gets taken at a refugee camp in Jordan with the the clinician there on the ground, uploads what the symptoms are, takes the picture, loads it into the database. One of our dermatologists on this end, when they log in, they see it in their queue. They can read about the symptoms. They can ask questions. They can take a look at the pictures. They can ask for more information or if it's very clear to them, they can say you know it might be this or you should check these three things they don't do an actual diagnosis for various kind of medical licensing laws, but dermatology is very visual so mm-hmm. they've helped us to helped us to define how they can be helpful what's possible in you know medical practice um, and then to trial it Direct relief is not a dermatology yeah. organization they're not experts in dermatology they're experts in disaster relief, and getting products wherever they're needed around the world, day in, day out.
0: And, and that's so helpful um, to have an advisory board that is diverse, um, that's truly giving you great insights. Your, your comment about the networks is great. And um, really, it adds to the to the content and the direction. I love, Kathleen, that you said that you're not working in the US anymore. And you said, because you can it's about the service. It wasn't about the publicity. So I'm thrilled you said that.
1: Um, let, let me turn to the question. We're still working in the U.S. So we still make donations in the U.S. Okay, and we're working with clinics on the ground. But that one element of the program yeah. just wasn't, it wasn't a right fit for the medical landscape in the U.S. And, and I how so our advisory yeah. board helped us reprioritize. Re- where
0: yeah. Yeah. And you talk about flexing. And I think that that's a tremendous attribute that you know, you're learning, you're trying. If it doesn't work, you're, you're tweaking it. So, so that's great. For our listeners, um, most of them, 99.9%, their CEO is not Paul Pullman. So what do you recommend? I always talk about this. Um, what do you recommend to people who are a vice president, a senior vice president, um, they know that this is critical for their business, their brand, and but their CEO or their CFO or a combination thereof, they're not convinced. How do they work with them to, to bring them along on this important strategic journey?
1: Well, even if in Unilever, we have to make trade-offs and prioritize investment. And so even though our CEO is Paul Pullman, I don't get a free ride when it comes to my margins or my market share targets or you know efficiency and return on investment for my media spend. I have to achieve all the same targets, thresholds, KPIs as as I would on a product led campaign with what I do on the healing project. And so my advice is go do some consumer work. Understand how motivating this is to your consumers. Don't be afraid to put. The purpose-led initiatives head-to-head in those same tools with your product-led communications, and see see what's more effective. Sometimes, you know, I did a lot of work with our market research manager to make sure that we were putting it to to the test in the right way. Um, You know, as the but that's we need to do that for everything now because so much more of our communications is digital led or social media and all of our testing methodologies were designed years ago for the TV world. So we need to change our our testing methodologies anyway. So with the one caveat that the methodology has to be right for the kind of campaign you're doing, don't be afraid to put purpose-led communications head to head with product led communications and see where it goes. And then that's very hard to refute when you go present better work outstanding work that has come from purpose-led initiatives to your CEO, your VP, your, even your finance VP. Um, And that's what, that's what we did. And in every head to head test, the healing project came out ahead. That's
0: that's very insightful um, comments. Um, Before we close, what do you wish uh, for purpose for authentic purpose-led marketing in the future?
1: I think people have always bought brands because they say something about themselves. Uh, whether it's a BMW or a beautiful pair of diamond earrings or a body wash. Um, people, I mean, this is what brands are about. And what I see with purpose-led Brands and more purposeful marketing is that people are choosing brands based on their lifestyle and their beliefs. And more and more, they're choosing brands that are good to the planet and good to the people living in the planet. And that's really encouraging. We, as brand leaders and companies, can accelerate that shift by providing more options and telling these stories really well. So I think it's a very bright future for purpose-led brands. And I think it's encouraging for where we're going as, as consumers. The downside of that is I think there's a risk for brands to just jump on the bandwagon and not really do it properly. And that could ruin it for everyone. And so that's that's what I worry about is that it becomes inauthentic and our, the people who buy our brands, our consumers will see through that in a second. And that makes everyone skeptical then of whatever a brand says. So I think, you know, like, like the creative director at 72 and sunny, make sure you can still touch the, touch the bottom. Don't swim out too deep um, stay authentic to what your brand is about, but then do it and do it for real. Um, and then that provides more choice to the consumers who really want to vote with their wallet and make a difference with the the products and the brands that they buy.
0: That's terrific. That's a, that's a great vision. And so in closing, I'd like to ask you, Kathleen Dunlop, what is your purpose? What's your personal purpose?
1: So I have one. Um, we, we have, all at Unilever, gone through purpose workshops to define our, our purpose. Um, and so mine is to be the fearless advocate of causes that I believe in. And fearless because I'm an introvert and sometimes it takes a little extra effort to speak up, um, especially when things get heated and I'd rather just kind of retreat into my ivory tower and think about things in peace and quiet. So I have to I have to engage right then in the moment for things that are really important. Um, And causes I believe in because those are the things that really matter and that give me the extra strength to be fearless and and rush in when I need to. Um, So, to be the fearless advocate for causes I believe in. And I think having a purpose statement like that is really helpful because it's sort of a touchstone to go back to when. I'm tired. When I'm frustrated, when things aren't going right, I go back to that and I say, "Okay, I have to reconnect with my with my purpose. And what about this is purposeful? How do I find meaning here? And how do I get up in the morning and go fight for what I believe in? And if it has nothing to do with my purpose, if I'm frustrated because of something else entirely, well, then maybe I can let it go. It's not that important." Um, But if it is related to my purpose and a cause that I believe in, then I find that extra energy. It gives me that extra energy to keep going when things get tough. So, having that sort of crystallized purpose statement helps to make it a a tool for using every day rather than this sort of nebulous thing that's floating around and why why I do things. So, I, I love the fact that we've all been encouraged to go through these purpose workshops. We talk about it a lot at work so often we'll ask someone, what's your purpose statement? Do you have one? Um, how can it help you get through this situation? And um, and I'm very open about what my purpose is. And people see that and realize that we mean it. This isn't just lip service. We really mean it. This is something that gives us that extra energy to go the extra mile and make a difference. Yeah,
0: well, we, that is so fantastic. And it's great to hear That um, not only are you working on a purpose for Vaseline, but also your personal purpose. Um, In closing, how can listeners get more information about the Vaseline Healing Project?
1: Everything is on our website, so vaseline.com. There's a whole section on the Vaseline Healing Project. And stay tuned because great things are going to be coming out next year. And uh, so there'll be lots of updates on the website and hopefully in other channels. Super. So I want to thank you so much, Kathleen.
0: You have your 20 years. You know, I don't know if you want to stay another 20 years because, you know, you never age, but you're fantastic. Your passion comes through. I don't see you as an introvert at all. I see you as just a fearless advocate for for what you believe in. And you're also going to be you are a great role model for your children. So thank you very much. And for that's been an amazing uh, discussion today with Kathleen Dunlop, the global brand vice president of Vaseline. She's been at Unilever for 20 years. Again, congratulations on your 20th anniversary, um, in early September. And I would just like to ask our listeners to ask themselves, what is your purpose? Thank you, Carol. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much.